The big fish are finally starting to eat in the energy sector. This is Industry Focus. We get to talk about something other than just prices moving up and well, down it, this week, Tyler. It, it is kind of nice. I mean, we've kind of been waiting for something to happen. Everybody's been waiting. Oh, there's some rumors about mergers and maybe some things going to happen, but we actually saw something happen this week. Royal Dutch Shell has decided to buy uh, BG Group. It is uh, a British natural gas producer with uh, pretty large, expansive exploration production all over the world. They get pretty creative with their names over there in, in oh, Britain yeah. with the British Petroleum and British Gas. Yeah, they're, they're really, really creative. <laughs> innovative thinking when That's it comes right. to naming Hopefully stuff. the company's more innovative than the name. Hopefully. Yeah, so uh, the deal, what was the deal exactly? I can't remember. $70 million? $70 billion. $70 billion. Um, 50% premium to the stock price at the time, which is higher than it was back in May. It was only down about 30% until this deal was announced. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a bit of a deal. So, uh, one of the things I did like about it, and I was kind of ran over the numbers really quick before we came in here, they basically bought the company at assets plus debt. Uh, if you looked at the asset portfolio of BG Group, uh, it's about $58 billion. And if you add the $17 billion in debt that's owned by the company, you get about $70 billion. So, they weren't really paying a premium on assets. Mm-hmm. You know, They say that you're paying a premium on equity, but if you're looking right. at it from That's just what the market base, thinks at the moment. Yeah, it's what the right. market thinks, and the market thinks that everything in oil and gas is crap right, right. now. So, everything's looking pretty good on that uh, end. But, since it is a big deal, we need something to talk about. Let's mm-hmm. go bull versus bear on this one. Okay. Uh, you seem a little bit more optimistic about this one than I am. So why don't you give us a bull case on this thing? Yeah, my optimism, um, without diving too deep into the the M and A side and and what BG exactly owns, it stems from just global growth in natural gas demand and the transportation, which is only really allowed internationally by liquefaction and. They're going to be, if not the biggest, one of the biggest liquefaction companies in the world. They have ships. They have a marketing arm to sell and and buy liquefied natural gas. Um, And the combined entity is is going to have more natural gas reserves than any major other than Exxon. Um, And that's what I like about this. You look at natural gas climbing rapidly uh, in terms of its place in the fossil fuel um, source, as far as energy demand is concerned, it's overtaking coal in North America. It's third to coal and oil in, in Asia, but it's climbing quickly. China looks to double its uh, energy use from natural gas from 2012 levels just in the next five years. Uh, and that's not just a small doubling, that's a very large doubling, as big as China is. And um, India is trying to follow the same lead, heavy, heavy user of coal for power. And as a result, pollution is pretty terrible over there. Obviously, the second largest population in the world as far as a country is concerned. So the demand, we're not talking about small numbers here. And really, the only way that they can get it, based on their geographies, China is a little bit better off being close to Russia. But Russia has to supply Europe as well. So there's a little bit more competition there for supply. And um, USA is ramping yeah, the up. the Russians haven't exactly been the best when it comes to negotiating no. <laughs> natural gas contracts. <laughs> Not exactly. So, I mean, giving having a little bit of leverage on either side of that has always been That's pretty right. helpful. I mean, we've seen Europe do it like crazy as of late. You know, Lithuania building LNG facilities, Poland trying to do mm-hmm. it, basically weaning themselves off of that kind of Russian uh, 
monopoly that they have going on over there. They've certainly had it, and I think they kind of exposed themselves with the whole Ukraine fiasco, um, showing that, yeah, this is really the only way in and out for natural gas to Europe. So I think that they kind of maybe screwed themselves over a little bit. People started to realize that we need to diversify our gas um, supply, and uh, people are starting to do that. So Shell, they diversified their asset base as far as increasing natural gas versus oil. So I think that's a better long-term play. Um, you could go either way on how they diversified. It's geographically diversification. So yeah, they're looking at Africa now. Um, they're looking at uh, Trinidad. They're looking at um, a little bit more off Australia, which they're already kind of operating in. But it kind of spreads themselves out a little bit. But they're not just opening a foray into these regions. BG already operates there, so they're not having to uh, to start fresh. And they have better access to the to the Brazil offshore. That's not really a big selling point at the moment, given what's uh, going on in Brazil right now in their energy sector. But I think that's another long-term play with offshore oil. Yeah. So I, I like everything you're saying here. The idea. Yeah. The idea. Of, is, the idea of the merger <laughs> sounds great. Right. So I think going on this route was a good idea. I, but kind of being a little bit of a, a stick in the mud here. I question the choice of BG Group itself as the acquisition. And three things that kind of make me a little bit concerned when it comes to acquiring uh, BG. They have a deteriorating asset base, number one. Uh, they have been a capital killer. And they they are a concentrated bet, like you said, on mm-hmm. LNG, Brazil, things like that. But there's not a whole lot of overlap. So I'll just kind of get into those things. I mean, on the declining resource base sort of thing, since 2002, their total potential resources wasn't isn't just you know proved reserves, which we talk about, which yep. are based on prices. We're talking everything that they have assessed, appraised, are ready to start exploring in some sort of way. That's been uh, down 10% in the past two years. So they, they have a declining asset base. Mm-hmm. They haven't been as successful in finding new resources and actually replacing them uh, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, also, their their resource costs themselves have been uh, going up rather drastically. Uh, between 2011 and 2014, their per barrel of oil equivalent cash costs. So we're not talking about depreciation or yeah. anything like that. What just it to, actually costs in the cash yeah. uh, realm, those costs have increased 64% in the past three years. So if you look at that, you're looking at a declining asset that's getting a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. which can you know make some investors slightly concerned and then on that that capital aspect the company's operational cash flow hasn't covered its capital expenditures since 2008 and so for the past 7 years it's it's ta- taken on about 15 and a half billion dollars in debt uh, to cover its operations as well as pay any dividend that it wants to pay in any sort of way so we're looking at a company who has not exactly been the most or the best operator as of late mm-hmm. in terms of converting your operations into cash, which has been a struggle for big oil in the first place, um, Royal Dutch Shell especially, up until last year. And so to see them take on somebody who is already negative cash flow, uh, you know, really brings into the question that idea of, hey, do I want to do this because I'm trying to actually bring better returns to my shareholders? So what it sounds like you're saying is that BG is making out like a bandit here, possibly. I think so, actually. <laughs> I think they're doing pretty well. And then, you know, kind of looking at the, everybody wants to talk about synergies mm-hmm. when you talk about uh, acquisitions. Yeah, oh, we're gonna, you, want, you want some layoffs, yeah, you want some technology. billions to come, of dollars, yeah, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't see how there's going to be a whole lot of synergies. 
I see it almost more like um, they're going to buy them and kind of chop shop them a little bit to create those synergies because, you know, those concentrated bets that BG has, there isn't a whole lot of overlap between what Shell has done and what BG is doing. Yeah, you um, just read a lot of new exposure is right. what people are saying. Yeah, everybody says good. new exposure, but new exposure means that there's not a lot of cost overlap. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Shell has a partial operation in one thing and BG has it in the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, BG very, very concentrated in offshore oil in Brazil. Uh, Petrobras has been a bit of a mess lately. Yeah, uh, and Brazil's government as and well. And Brazil I guess has been a mess lately in regards to that. And with Petrobras's kind of control over everything that happens in Brazil, mm-hmm. it really brings into question how lucrative that's going to be over the next couple of years, maybe even further, if things don't kind of get squared away in there. You've also got this very, very early, it could be promising, uh, is offshore gas in East Africa. Mm-hmm. BG is going really, really deep into this. Uh, it looks promising. There's a lot of gas there, but this is going to be extremely capital intensive because we're looking at a place that has zero infrastructure whatsoever when it comes to developing natural gas. That's a lot of money. I mean, Shell has been working on things such as floating uh, liquefied natural gas stations. Yeah, they've got the big, uh, what's it called, the prelude prelude facility. So you have an opportunity there, but at the same time, we're looking at extreme capital costs that uh, Shell wasn't planning on doing Mm -hmm. anything uh, previously. And then on the LNG space, like you said, this this is basically the crown jewel of what uh, Shell was buying BG Group for was LNG. So we're going to expand this. The the thing that kind of makes me scratch my head about this though is that uh, B, uh, Shell had a very large interest in an Australian company, Woodside Petroleum, yeah. up until last year, who was a very large uh, LNG player in Australia. Mm-hmm. But then they ditched that only to come back on with BG Group. Right, it yeah. seems a little little funky where you're. You know, I'm going to get rid of these LNG assets, but I'm going to add these when there's very little overlap in that. So when I look at those three things, I say, you know, I think Shell had the right idea. I just get the feeling that the execution wasn't as great as people might hope. That's definitely a valid point. Um, I mean, I don't really have an argument against that because you're, everything you're saying is correct. My whole argument was that LNG is the future in terms of fossil fuels. You seem to agree. Um, it's only time is going to tell. Investors sold off what about five percent yesterday. So yeah, about five percent. I think they're off like one or two percent today. Okay. But I mean, BG Group made a made a yeah, killing. They went they're up forty percent right. on one day. I mean, if I was a BG Group investor, I would be uh, just celebrating popping champagne corks right well, now. Apparently, the CEO has only been there for two months. He stands to make about fifty million dollars off this deal. That so, sounds like a pretty good cut, right? Yeah, there. I'm not complaining if I'm him. Uh, It'll be exciting to watch. And then you talk about all these analysts and reporters coming out and saying this is going to be the floodgate that's opened into the M&A space for energy now. Do you think that we're going to see a rush of deals um, uh, just because of it, this? It's so hard to yeah. predict these sort of things. I mean, you know, there was rumors of, like last month or so that Whiting Petroleum was going to be Yeah, that was the first and one then, to really come out. you know, when they started getting bids on their company they said no it's not worth it you guys aren't paying us well enough so we're gonna take on the debt we'll raise a little bit of equity and we'll we'll take care of ourselves for a little bit right a little bit longer um so there there is that sort of thing going on you've got the yeah everything's really cheap right now but some companies aren't going to be so willing to give up yeah they don't want to be sold cheaply yeah so it's really really hard to predict it, does it look like an opportune time for somebody like an ExxonMobil or a Shell yeah. 
to buy somebody? Absolutely. Question is, are the sellers ready to sell? Yeah, we'll just uh, as far as Shell shareholders are concerned, they're just hoping this isn't another. Was it Exxon Mobil acquired uh, XTO, XTO Energy? Energy? Yeah, and that kind of well, shot them in the foot for a while. Yeah, that that took a couple years to recover, yep. and we'll see what happens with this one. But all right, for now, we're gonna have to just wait and see what happens next. No predictions on what's gonna happen next because we have no idea. And guess what? Those analysts out there, they don't have a clue either. No, they're just fighting for headline space. So, uh, members of the Motley Fool, such as Taylor and myself, have may have interest in some of the stocks that we are talking about here today. So, don't simply buy and sell on what you have heard on this podcast. And if you have any feedback for us, feel free to email us at industryfocus at fool.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll talk to you next time. I'm Tyler Crow for Taylor Muckerman. Thanks for listening.